I went from a kid who hated running to a kid who was devoted, devoting my life to the passion of, of seeing how good and more than that, seeing what God had put inside me and trying to get the most out of my, out of myself. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today's guests share how they've stopped measuring themselves against the world standards and have come to know their value in God's eyes. Former Olympic runner Ryan Hall and inspirational thought leader Holly Dowling. First up, Ryan Hall grew up loving every other sport but running. However, over the years, he cultivated a God-given passion for the sport and learned resilience and diligence were the keys to competing in the Olympic Games in 2008 and 2012. Today, Ryan tells us how his faith sustained him during a time when the way forward seemed unclear, and how God is now using him to help people around the world with the sport he loves. My name is Ryan Hall, and uh, kind of what I'm best known for is I competed in the 2008 and the 2012 Olympic Games for the United States in the marathon. Uh, I ran professionally for over 10 years um, and have the American record in the half marathon. And I'm also a dad of four adopted girls from Ethiopia. They're all biological sisters. And now currently uh, retired from professional running and an author, speaker, and uh and mostly a dad and husband. So I grew up in uh, Big Bear Lake in Southern California. It's a small resort town of about 9,000 people, and I'm in the middle of five kids. So um, we had a big, full, um, energetic household. Got very strong parents that brought us up in a, a Christian home, and um, you know, lots of memories of church and family Bible studies. And um, they introduced us uh, to Jesus at a very young age. I, I wanted to play professional baseball, and then the problem was like that's just not how God made me to be. So I was five foot tall and a hundred pounds going into high school. And if you've watched professional baseball before, you've probably noticed like those guys are not five foot tall and a hundred pounds, and so. So uh, I remember I was I was driving down to a basketball game. Um, I was in eighth grade at the time, and I remember just kind of like looking out over the lake in my hometown in Big Bear, and just kind of like felt like God just gave me this like seedling of a desire to try and run around the lake. Um, the problem is the lake is 15 miles around it, so that's a pretty pretty big run for a first time runner that's never run before. Um, but you know, something about it just captured me. And so I went home, I told my dad about that moment and that I wanted to try and run around the lake. And he's like, okay, if that's what you feel like God's telling you to do, like, let's go do it together. So the next Saturday we, we laced up our, his running shoes. Cause he was into running. Uh, my, I was in basketball shoes, which it turns out there's good reason why, uh, they make running shoes to run in and basketball shoes to play basketball. in, as my feet would attest to, um, two hour over two hours later when I stumble through, the front door exhausted tired with blisters all over my feet and uh but I had made it you know and there was a real sense of kind of accomplishment and uh and just like I was on the right path you know like I was doing what I was meant to do I remember collapsing on the couch and I felt like God was telling me that he gave me a gift to run with the best guys in the world but he gave me that gift so that I could help other people and then it's really interesting now having, you know, been on the other side of my journey, having been to two Olympics, um, what I've learned it took the most of was resilience, just getting back up over and over and over again. Um, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. And I can't tell you how many times I would just would 
remind myself of that verse and that verse is so powerful because as you kind of like sit on it and think about it number one i find it interesting because you don't think of a righteous man as falling yet alone falling seven times in a row (laughs) and yet that's what happened to him you know but i think the reason why a righteous man falls but then rises again is because of his identity and him seeing himself as righteous even though like he's not he makes mistakes he falls but it's how he sees himself it's an identity issue and that's something that was a big part of my journey uh in running because for a long time i saw myself based on how i performed so when i was performing well i was happy with what i saw in the mirror when i was not performing well i got depressed and when i was injured i got even more depressed and that actually culminated it during my time at Stanford, I actually dropped out of school during my sophomore year and I didn't know if I was going to come back. I was just super down, super depressed. Nothing was going well. My academics weren't going well. My running wasn't going well. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And I thought that by changing my uh, geographical location, I could change what was going on inside my heart. But as I went home, I actually got even more depressed and things got even worse. And then when I decided to come back to Stanford is when God started to really kind of bring what I knew in my head that like, what makes me special is that I'm a child of God. I'm made in the image of God. God sees me as righteous through the blood of Jesus. He really made that sink down into my heart. And I started seeing myself how God sees me. And that's a really, really powerful, at least it was a really powerful shift for me. It just allowed me to go out and and enjoy my sport more. I felt free. I felt free to take risk. I felt free to fail. And I, cause I was no longer taking my failures personally because my failures wasn't wasn't a reflection of who I was. It was just something that had happened to me. And I can handle things that happen to me. It's very difficult to handle um, when you start to internalize and believe you are your failures. So when I went back to Stanford, place that has always resonated with me is stadiums like I just love stadiums for some reason and so I would go into the Stanford football stadium when no one else was in there and I would do my bible studies in there and I remember just bringing like a pen and notebook and and my bible and I would write down the things that you know I felt like Jesus was telling me and then I'd I'd read the bible and those were the times when like Jesus started like I said bringing what I knew in my head to be true he brought it down into my heart and it really started to sink in. So I think it's just, it's a matter of not just like having that one period where I spend a lot of time with God, but it's it's a day by day, like creating time, prioritizing time with God so that he can continue to, to do this work inside of me. Because um, I found that like most of the lessons I learn, I have to, it's not a one-time lesson. It's it's a daily uh, cultivating that mindset and, and nurturing that shift in your spirit that um, makes it last. Ryan's routine includes quiet time with God. He enjoys using tools like Jesus Calling to help him keep a dialogue going with God every day. I think it's so powerful for all of us when we feel like God is speaking like directly to us.
Uh, my wife, Sarah, um, got a copy of the book and um, she had it on her nightstand and would read read passages before she'd go to bed. And um, so I picked it up and started reading some passages. And I just really um, resonated with Sarah and her experiences, you know, talking about developing this conversation with God and actually like asking him questions and hearing back from him. I'm going to read a passage from Jesus Calling, and this comes from October 15th. Try to stay conscious of me as you go step by step through this day. My presence with you is both a promise and a protection. After my resurrection, I assured my followers, surely I'm with you always. That promise was for all my followers, without exception. The promise of my presence is a powerful protection. As you journey through your life, there are numerous pitfalls along the way. Many voices slammer for your attention, enticing you to go their way. A few steps away from your true path are pits of self-pity and despair, plateaus of pride and self-will. If you take your eyes off me and follow another's way, you are in grave danger. Even well-meaning friends can lead you astray if you let them usurp my place in your life. The way to stay on the path of life is to keep your focus on me. Awareness of my presence is your best protection. I, I love this passage because it's something I would tell myself often when I'm on the starting line. I, I would just constantly go back to that in my mind because the road felt too hard for me to travel. I'm like, I cannot run 445 per mile for 26 miles in a row. It just seemed impossible, even though I had trained for it, you know. But what did seem possible was focusing on Jesus, who was right with me right there in that moment and just staying as close to him as I could. I, I just find that to be super, super powerful um, thought and intention for us to have as Christians. I remember very vividly when I was first getting into the sport of running, being in Big Bear doing uh, hill sprints on this really steep hill by my house, and in the snow was just coming down super hard. It was like something out of like a Rocky movie, you know, <laughs> like I was out training in the elements and, and pushing myself as hard as I could pos possibly push myself. And I remember having this thought during that workout that like, I wonder what it takes, like what characteristics I need to develop to become an Olympian. So in, in 2008, I competed in the Olympics and finished 10th, which wasn't what I was hoping for. Like I was hoping for a medal there. So, you know, mild disappointment there. And then in 2012, competed again and again, hoping for a medal and ended up dropping out of that race with a hamstring issue. And that was, you know, also a very, very difficult experience for me to go through. Cause you know, as a kid, when I was 13 and getting into the sport, I dreamed about having my best stuff at the Olympics. That's really, you know, the time to shine as an athlete and so when I that didn't happen you know there was a lot that I had to work through um, with those experiences I remember being on an airplane and you know, this was 2016 I was trying to train for the uh, 2016 Olympic trials and I remember looking out over the landscape and I felt like God was telling me it it's not supposed to last forever peace just kind of came over me and I could just exhale deeply it felt like for the first time in a long time and be like it's okay so that was when you know I decided that it was time for me to hang it up and to be honest you know when I made the decision I felt just a big sense of relief you know Cause as an athlete um, you're always juggling this like content with where you're at but also expecting 
that there's more there and looking for breakthrough and um, trying to to get to new levels, trying to cultivate your talent. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but it's it's kind of hard to look back at your career and fully appreciate it when you're going after more. But when I got to the end of the season and I finally retired, I could finally for the first time look back at my career and be like, man, I'm so grateful that I had the experience of breaking an hour in the half marathon and setting the American record. And I'm so grateful I had the experience of finishing fourth at the Boston Marathon and running one of the fastest times ever run in 120 years on that course. Um, so things like that, where I could just be like for the first time, like be just fully just thankful for it and, uh, and be able to move on into the next season of my life. I want to extract all these lessons that God's taught me, all the things I feel like he's told me along the way. And I want to share those with, with people so I can help them on their journey. And when I was 13 and started running and I felt like God told me he's giving me a gift to run with the best guys in the world, but he gave me that gift so I could help other people. Um, it took me years and years to figure out how do you help other people through running. And then it was really in 2008 after the Olympic games, um, Sarah and I, we partnered with team world vision and a group of runners, um, from team world vision got together, ran the Chicago marathon, did some fundraising for it. And all of that money went to bring clean water to a community in Zambia of about 90,000 people. I'll never forget standing next to a local villager and he, he started talking with me he's just like i'm so grateful that you guys brought this clean water to us he's like you know because you guys did this everyone in my community the life expectancy is going to go up by 10 years and i just thought wow like how powerful is that that a group of us can go run a race and fundraise and as a result ninety thousand people get to live 10 years longer that just like blew my mind you know, after I retired from running, as I started to sit down and write, um, I found it to be a really fun and therapeutic process for me to go through. I would just get up every morning at 5 a.m. and just just type for like an hour, an hour and a half, and just really excited to share some of these lessons that God's taught me. That you know, we've hit on a couple of them, but um, there's 26 different chapters, and each one of those, uh, I talk about one of my experiences I experienced throughout my career and what God taught me in that experience that is now like a lasting um, impactful life lesson that has changed my life drastically those are the things that that last longer than the records that we set that um, are more important than the times we run or the experiences that we have on the road those are the true you know life-changing um, things that will last forever you can find ryan's new book Run the mile you're in at your favorite book retailer today. Stay tuned for our interview with inspirational thought leader Holly Dowling after a brief message about a free offer from Jesus Calling. Want a daily reminder that we can have hope, peace, and joy each day in Jesus? Now it's as easy as opening an email. The Jesus Calling Daily Email brings you a thought from the Jesus Calling family of devotionals every day. Brighten up your inbox with this little reminder and take a minute to connect with God during your day. To sign up to get your free daily thought from Jesus Calling, please visit jesuscalling.com slash daily dash email. That's jesuscalling.com slash daily dash email. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. 
It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Our next guest is inspirational thought leader, Holly Dowling. Around the world, Holly inspires crowds with her encouraging and uplifting words. But today, she tells us about the dark moments when she allowed others to define her worth, and how she ultimately came to believe that she's God's beloved child, and her worthiness rests in Him alone. I'm Holly Dowling, and I'm very blessed to get to be a messenger around the world of inspiration. I'm a big believer that every human being has gifts. Every human being was put on this earth with gifts from God. And what do we do to help flourish that and help rekindle that in the people around us, our loved ones, and especially in the corporate world? So that's my passion. I was raised Presbyterian. And to be really honest and transparent, we were raised very religious. And I mean that we would go to church on Sundays, but it was a very dysfunctional home. And my father and mother, who I love dearly, who have not been married for almost 30 years now, my father was an alcoholic. And so I grew up with the walking on eggshells. Uh, I always knew though, that they wanted us to know that there was a God. So much of who we are has so much to do with who we were when we were younger. And I, in my own journey, have realized that I think a lot of it, we push away, whether it's out of shame or feeling we were never good enough. Um, so to be really honest with you, growing up, um, I'm the oldest of four children. And uh, most of my memories are from Pennsylvania, where we were for several years till we moved to the Midwest when I went to high school. And what's fascinating about thinking back on my earlier years, I was the girl that you would never have imagined would be on stages around the world inspiring people. This beautiful organization came into my life called Young Life. And Young Life is a beautiful Christian organization for the youth. And it was through those friends and the people I made and that kind of that, that community of faith and around really neat people, peers, that got me back on track. And honestly, I went from feeling like I was a failure because I became imperfect and I was broken. And I think I dealt so much with constantly feeling that I've sinned and that I need to be forgiven that I never saw God as a loving father. And so it was during that journey from college and then going through a really, really tough, um, abusive relationship that made me realize that I'm alive because I shouldn't be alive uh, because of something much greater than me. And it was after that that my faith really turned to realizing that you don't have to be perfect. Actually, I believe that it's in our imperfections that we're beautiful. When we're broken, we're beautiful. 
And um, I finally was able to see God. And that's when Jesus really revealed himself to me. And so it is no longer about human beings. I had to let go of looking to human beings as my, I put too much faith in human beings. And I realized that at the end of the day, human beings, we're all human. We let people down, they can let us down. But God's always been there for me. And it was in the darkest of times that I think sometimes we miss seeing the light. You know, I'm constantly saying I want to use my soul at its highest calling. And I think that when we truly are in a place of servanthood, whatever you choose to do in this world, it opens you up to all kinds of opportunities. So if you would have asked me four years ago, I would have had no idea that I would be asked to be a partner of Girl Up and the United Nations Foundation. And in the journey of doing that, what it's so fascinating. I've raised three boys, and but I'm passionate about women and young women, right, and empowering them. And because I don't want young women to end up how I did in some really abusive situations, right? And, and going down that path. And so with all that said, when they asked me to be an ambassador and a partner, I really took it seriously. And I had to learn what Girl Up was about. And what I learned, what Girl Up is, is it's, and it's taken off. It's only been around for eight years, going on nine. It's one of many foundations that the United Nations supports. And it was, um, organized and basically started because of this need, these young girls, 11, 12, 13 years old, the trafficking that's going on and just giving them empowerment to be able to know that they are they are worthy of getting educated. They're worthy of being loved. So what this organization has done is setting up chapters all over the world. I mean, we're at probably now, I mean, there's multiple thousands of chapters and they're in our own backyard in schools. They start in schools and for some schools and for some girls, this is about getting them a higher level of education, getting them an opportunity to go to college um, when they never thought they could. So that's my mission right now. And so for anybody out there that wants to join me on this mission, I am determined we are going to figure this out. I think that human beings by nature are hungry for that spiritual purpose, that higher purpose. And when they see somebody standing there that can have this strong credibility and let's just say a leadership platform, right? and yet be able to be real and authentic and share it from a spiritual place. I always I pray before every time I go on stage. I'm always praying on my knees saying, God, use me. Let the words come out of my mouth. Let them see you through my eyes and hear you through my mouth. And then I let it go. About 10, 12 years ago, a very dear friend of mine who I met speaking, she knew as soon as I came off stage, she goes, she walked up and said, you're a woman of faith. You're a Christian and I can tell. And I love it when I hear that. All of that said, she said, I have something. She goes, have you ever heard of Jesus calling? And I'm like, no, what is that? I go, and she goes, it's my favorite devotional. You don't need to get it. I'm going to mail it to you. Within a week, I had Jesus calling in my hands. At the time, we lived in Kansas City and I had a little section. I hope that everybody has their own little rituals. I could spend a whole hour talking about rituals are so important for our life and how you ground yourself. So my morning is my most sacred time. And I spend seven minutes in prayer and meditation. I spend seven minutes reading and it's my favorite devotionals of which number one is Jesus Calling. And it's the same one. It's tattered and worn. If you could see it right now and I could show you, it's tattered and worn, but I refuse to get a new one. And it's been with me every single day. And you have to know that I travel all over the world. And this one goes with me. And there was a day that I was scampering to get out, dashing as we were talking earlier, dashing to get in the car. The driver was there. I had to jump in a car to get to the airport. My husband noticed that it was sitting on my little table and he knew I would be devastated when I got to my hotel that night in the city. My husband called, found out where I was going to be staying and had it took my Jesus calling and had it Federal Express and overnighted so I would have it in the morning. 
That is how much this has made an impact on my life. I think the greatest gift I've been given in this lifetime and, and truly feeling, it took me years to feel loved by God and letting go of feeling that you have to be perfect to be loved. And I really stand by, you don't have to be perfect to be priceless. And it is when we are broken, we are beautiful because the light can shine through us. And I think the greatest gift we can give to ourselves is permission to love ourselves for who we are. To anybody listening, just know you're loved for exactly who you are. There's no shame in what we've been through. And we all have gifts. We've been put in this world. This gift, this life is a gift and what we do with it for ourselves and others is our gift back to God. You can learn more about Holly's mission and resources at her website, hollydowling.com. If you're looking for more inspiration around finding our true value in God's eyes, check out our interview with Chelsea Crockett and Kaylee Rutland. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we talk with members of a unique faith-based retail clothing company called Altered State. Committed to their mission of standing out for good, Altered State works with local and international mission organizations to support their efforts to help people in need around the world. Altered State CEO Aaron Walters tells us why he's chosen to lead his company this way. One of my goals is to build a company that my mother would be proud of. And, you know, faith is a part of your life. And so I felt like it should be a part of our company. And that's really the, the mentality behind it. I would love to tell you there's just some brilliant vision or whatever it, there may be, but as a human being, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm amazed anybody that can make it through life without faith because I know it's a struggle every day for me. There's challenges I face. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel on IGTV or on JesusCalling.com slash video.